If your child is old enough to count, ask questions about what you're doing in the checkout line, and is begging you for things in the store, they're old enough for allowance, at least a basic version. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, mamas. I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan, and today we're talking about allowance. Allowance is one of the core ways parents know to teach their kids about money and to avoid the gimme gimme arguments in the store. But it's also one of the places where we get the most questions. It's not as simple as handing your child money every week or every month and walking away. We know there's more to it than that because we know there's more to our money life than that. That's why today I want to talk about five of the common allowance mistakes parents make and how you can avoid them so you make sure the allowance lessons you're teaching to your children will make them independent, confident money managers in adulthood. Now, before we dive in, I want to remind you that one of the most important aspects of teaching your kids responsible money habits is getting clear on your family's money values. Outlining those values not only helps you determine what you want your kids to learn, but also creates more clarity on how you'll choose to talk about money and the priorities you'll set as a family. To help you do that, we have a free family money values template that you can download in the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 31. Be sure to check it out and start having healthier money conversations with your family. All right, mamas. So when the Smart Money Mamas team was talking about what our podcast topics would be for family month, and we decided we really wanted to talk about allowance, we had to address the elephant in the room. Were we going to comment on whether kids should have to do chores to get their allowance? Whether kids get allowances as a way to teach financial lessons, or whether kids should get allowance as a payment for regular chores and to learn the value of work, is a big debate in the parenting and financial education communities. Haven't heard of it? Maybe you don't run in nerdy enough circles. Anyway, I absolutely wanted to weigh in on this debate, but I don't want to classify either choice as a mistake like those we'll be covering in this episode. Because truly, I don't think either choice is wrong. I think that this is all about your personal family values and understanding what is going to work for your family. Despite the debate, in 2012, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, which sounds like a super fun group, found that 89% of parents do tie allowance to work around the house. So while experts might be debating, it seems that parents mostly aren't. We naturally tie allowance to chores. We think it is a way to teach our kids that you have to work for money and that there are no free handouts. Yet, there are some really strong arguments for not linking allowance to chores, instead making it a financial literacy exercise. Here's the deal. Ron Lieber, the author of Opposite of Spoiled, which I will recommend to any parent to read about teaching your kids about money, it's an excellent book, says, quote, when parents tie allowance to chores, they make work the primary focus, not money. But children have many places to pick up a good work ethic. Strict teachers, drill sergeant coaches, and choral conductors will instill plenty of discipline, end quote. Alternatively, there aren't a lot of places where our kids get hands-on experience with money in a way that speaks to our own family values. Whether or not you choose to tie allowance to chores, I want you to consider a few things, and I'm going to tell you my opinion as well, but keep in mind, this is what works for my family and may not work for yours. The first thing to consider is, what do you want your kids to learn about money? And how does tying allowance to chores make it easier for them to learn those lessons? 
Chores for money can teach kids that work is no fun, that it is something to be done as quickly as possible and avoided, if at all possible, so they can go back to doing the things they actually care about. Clearly, this is a little problematic, creating a negative relationship with work. I know that in my house with our boys, we want to teach them that work can be joyful and purposeful, that they can earn money by finding problems and creating solutions to those problems, really finding that seed of early entrepreneurship, or that they can earn money by exploring their passions. Chores don't necessarily teach those things. Also, there's often a disconnect between how parents think tying allowance to chores will work and how it really does work. What happens when your kids decide they don't need money that week and they don't want to do their chores? Well, you're probably going to make them do them anyway, in which case the chores weren't really a job you were offering them to earn some cash. It was mandatory all along, so why not just separate the two? In our house, Jeremiah and I want our kids to do chores because they are part of the family and all family members pitch in. We don't want them to think you only do chores when you expect some reward. I consider this especially important because we have boys, and research has shown that boys who are raised to be more helpful around the house and see their fathers having an active participation in household management are more likely to grow up into adults who carry their own weight at home. And that helps us close housework gaps and emotional labor gaps for the next generation, something I think we'd all like to see. So I think it's fairly clear where we fall in the debate. For our family, allowance isn't going to be tied to chores, but that doesn't make the alternative a mistake. It just means being conscious of how you communicate that responsibility to your child if you decide to go that way. All right, so are you ready to hear about the mistakes parents make with allowance? Because we got a few of them for you here today. The first mistake is actually not starting early enough. If your child is old enough to count, ask questions about what you're doing in the checkout line, and is begging you for things in the store, they're old enough for allowance, at least a basic version. Research shows that most kids understand the basic functions of money by age three, and that many core beliefs about money are set by age seven. The sooner we can take an active, positive role in our kids' blooming money skills, the better. Many personal finance experts recommend starting allowance by first grade, though you should be talking about money before then, covering things like wants versus needs, earning money, and other core concepts. Your child may be ready for allowance sooner than grade one, but it's going to depend on their skills. Our oldest is four, and we started allowance with him after his most recent birthday. We had discussed starting at three. He had the numbers, but he never really had the gimmies or an interest in money yet, so we decided to wait. For his first birthday, he got a moon jar piggy bank. It comes with three small banks, one for spending, one for saving, and one for giving. It's clear on the top so he can see inside, and it's a great basic system to start him with. I highly recommend it. You know your child best, but waiting until they're older and have more regular uses for money, or even waiting until they ask for an allowance, could be giving up valuable years to build a strong money foundation with your kids. But remember when we said that foundation should be an active, positive role in their blooming money skills? That brings us to our second mistake. The second mistake parents make with allowance is making saving feel like a punishment. Unfortunately, this mistake is one we hear most often with younger kids. And it's unfortunate because at a young age, kids are picking up so many emotional messages about money that will become their foundation as they get older. So, what does making saving and giving feel like a punishment look like? Well, the biggest culprit is setting saving and giving rules that don't connect with things your kids can understand. 
Let's take savings. As parents, we look at allowance as a way to teach our kids all the things we didn't learn about money when we were young. We're thinking about where we've tripped up, not saving enough, not thinking long-term, getting into debt. And so we want to help our kids learn those lessons. But when parents take these amazing intentions and then tell their seven-year-old, you need to save 50% of your allowance for college, you might be really excited for them. You'll tell them that you'll put that money in the bank for them to use when they get to college. You know what your kid hears? 50% of my allowance just disappeared into a black hole. First off, 50% is a big ask. It might make your kids feel like they aren't being left much to make any decisions with. And I only use that number as an example because it's one I've heard many times. Second, and just as importantly, young kids do not yet have the mental development to think that long term. A month seems like an impossibly long time for a young kid. Heck, my four-year-old thinks a week, the time between his allowance payments, is a freaking lifetime. They can't even contemplate years and years. It's like you or I trying to visualize a billion dollars. Instead, we want to start with savings goals that flex their delayed gratification muscles, but still seem possible to them. That may mean a toy or video game that they can save for in just a few weeks or a month. Help your child choose a savings goal, or better yet, think of something he or she has been asking for and talk to them about how they can save for it. Print out a picture of the thing they want and tape it to their savings jar. We even like savings charts where Henry can color in a block each time he puts a dollar in savings so he can visually see how far he's come and how far he has to go. Even though these smaller goals may feel like spending for us, they're saving for our kids. And as they grow up, those savings goals can grow with them. It's easier to say to a 12-year-old, hey, you're going to need a car in a few years. Mom and dad are willing to chip in X amount if you're willing to help. But if you want a nicer car, you're going to have to save up. How do you think you can do that? They'll have had the practice, the ability to look forward a few years, and the buy-in and excitement about having a car that they just won't have at age four. Kids are more likely to save as adults if they have positive memories of saving, leading to something positive and a sense of accomplishment. And not making things real for our kids extends to giving requirements as well. Kids understand sharing. They're forced to do it a heck of a lot more often than adults are. But if their giving money goes to a cause they just don't understand or care about, or somewhere where they can't see the impact, we're back to the allowance black hole. When it comes to giving, find a cause your child can get excited about. For Henry, it's quote-unquote adopting sea creatures through the World Wildlife Foundation. He can save up his giving money, adopt a sea turtle, and get a little certificate and stuffed animal in the mail. It feels important to him. For some young kids, giving can really be about sharing. You can encourage them to use that money to bless others, like buying something for a friend who is sad. The more we can make giving and saving real, the more the lessons really stick. I do want to say, if you've been making this mistake, core messages can be changed. That's part of embracing a growth mindset. But you may have to explain why the rules are changing and what happened to all their college, retirement, car savings that disappeared into the bank. Speaking of making changes, I think it's time to discuss mistake number three. The next allowance mistake parents make is being inconsistent. What would you do if your job told you they would pay you every two weeks? Except sometimes they didn't. And sometimes when they missed a payment, they gave you back pay. Except sometimes they didn't. You probably wouldn't have much faith in that job, right? You'd give it up as a scam or completely unethical and unreliable pretty fast. 
For our money lessons with our kids to hold water, they have to be consistent. When we start an allowance system, we have to set clear rules and then stick to them. Because if we don't, or don't at least own up to our mistake when we go off track, how will we expect our kids to hear the lessons we're teaching them and trust them? Psst, those rules have to include what our kids can and can't spend money on and whether we're requiring them to save or give a minimum amount. Changing those rules all the time or without explanation creates the same level of distrust to their thoughts about money, even if uncertainty wasn't really about money in the first place. It was about the rules that were in place around money. All right, maybe you're sitting there and thinking the job comparison makes no sense. I mean, earlier I gave you my opinion that allowance shouldn't be tied to regular chores, so they're just getting money for existing. We aren't really breaking any social contracts by not giving it to them, right? I have heard that before, mama. Let me tell you how allowance worked in my house growing up. My dad would set up an amount of allowance we would get a week. It was our money to spend on snacks at the hockey rink or out with friends. And he'd keep it up for two, maybe three weeks. And then he'd stop for a while, buying us the things we asked for, and even sometimes just buying the things my brother and I were saving for as a surprise. And then he'd decide we weren't learning the value of money and we needed to start allowance again. You know what this taught my brother and I? Not much. When he'd bring up allowance, we didn't think about saving or the lessons we were learning. It was more, oh, we're doing this again? Let's just wait it out. I was a natural saver. I loved having money of my own. So I'd hoard my allowance, something that wasn't particularly hard to do, since I knew that even if I saved up for something, dad would probably just buy it anyway. And I could happily sit on my big fat bank account. My brother wasn't a natural saver. He was a spender, but he did know that even if he spent his money now, he'd ultimately get the bigger things he wanted too. Dad would buy them. I don't blame my dad for this. He was balancing two desires, wanting to teach important life lessons while also wanting to be the fun dad who brought surprises and saved the day. My brother and my experience with allowance isn't uncommon. So many people talk about allowance as that thing my parents tried a few times. But if we want the lessons to get through, we need to do it all the way or not at all. But what do we need to do to be consistent? What's the natural follow-on? Well, that brings us to mistake number four, not letting your kids make money mistakes. If you're going to be consistent, there are going to be times when your child makes a mistake or is disappointed. This is the hardest part, but we absolutely need to let our kids feel that pain while they're young, when the stakes are so, so much lower. My friend Annette Economides from the Money Smart family tells a story about bringing her kids to get new Lego sets at the store. All of her kids would be spending their own money that they'd saved from their allowance and going home to work on their new Legos together. Except one thing. Annette's family had a rule that the kids needed to control their own money, which in their house meant remembering to bring your money if you might want to buy something. And on this trip, one of her kids forgot their spending envelope. In line at the store, her son realized he'd forgotten his envelope. In that moment, she had to choose to be the quote-unquote mean mom. She decided to stick to the rules and tell her son he had to put his new Legos back until the next time they came to the store. He was, of course, embarrassed and livid. I'm sure there were parents and people around Annette's family that couldn't believe she was holding this line, thinking things like, why can't she just buy it and have him pay her back later? How unfair that the other kids get something and he doesn't. But to Annette, it wasn't about the Legos. It wasn't about the pain that day. 
They had talked about going to the store to buy something, and her son hadn't thought to bring his money. She wanted him to learn that if you want something, you have to think through all of the steps to get it. And you know what? Her son was mad at her at first, but then he never forgot that cash envelope again. This story exists in a thousand ways. The kid that saves up for three months to buy a toy you tried five times to talk her out of, only to see her distress when it breaks in 10 minutes and she's crying, wishing she had her money back. The kid that spends all his money at the first water cannon game at the fair and then doesn't have enough money for ice cream later. All of these experiences are hard for our kids, and I wonder daily how all fair towing the line. But I try to remind myself, and you, that the whole allowance game is wasted if they never get the chance to actually learn the lessons. Decide what the allowance rules are in your family and get on the same page with your spouse so you're not undercutting each other. You can have special circumstances. I've heard from one family that for vacations, each child gets a prepaid debit card with a certain amount, in addition to whatever they've saved from allowance, to use for snacks and souvenirs. It's money the parents had budgeted for the trip anyway, and it cuts back on arguments about extras at the beach or amusement park. It works for them. But once you've set the rules and given kids freedom with their money, let them make mistakes and feel the consequences. Our kids are smart and resilient. They'll be upset for a little while, but they'll come back stronger. And it's better to learn the lesson now when it's a $30 toy or a missed ice cream cone instead of a $40,000 car loan. Stay strong, mama. The final mistake that we'll cover today isn't just allowance related. It's about how we all raise kids who can think for themselves financially. Mistake number five is not helping your kids handle outside money messages. If you've been around Smart Money Mamas long, you've probably heard me say 47 different times that money touches every area of our lives. In many ways, you can't make a major decision without, on some level, making a money decision. And if money touches all areas of our lives, it touches all areas of our kids' lives as well. It would be amazing if the only messages our kids got about money came from us. We who love them, who are aware of the emotional side of money, who want them to find security and who believe in abundance, who can instill positive values. But we aren't the only voices, and it wouldn't be good for them if we tried to pretend like we were. They'll compare themselves and what they have to what their friends have. They'll hear other adults and kids talk about money, and likely not often in the most informed or positive way. And there will be people spending billions of dollars trying to teach them that their value lies in the things they have. According to research by the American Academy of Pediatrics, the average young person sees over 3,000 ads per day on television, on the internet, on billboards, in magazines, and even in school. Marketers are working to tell our kids that they'll be cooler if they wear these clothes or more fun if they buy this toy. And it starts so young. When we give our kids allowance so they can build their financial skills, we want them to make their own decisions on how to use that money. But so many other voices will be in their heads. What they really want and what someone tells them they should want can get all mixed up really fast. It's our responsibility as parents to help them navigate those voices, reminding them of your family values and where consumer culture comes from breaking down what marketers are really saying when they see those ads, and helping them question those messages. As parents, we can help our kids filter the voices so that their burgeoning sense of self doesn't get drowned out. As they get older, we can help show them that what they choose to spend their money on is also a choice on the practices and the people they choose to support. 
And most of all, we can share our own experiences and mistakes, times we listen to others and learned a lesson, not only in hopes that they'll learn from us, but also so they know that falling for an ad or making a choice they regret does not define them. It doesn't make them bad with money. We're all just learning. Mama, allowance is this powerful and amazing opportunity to give our kids a chance to handle money. They get to make decisions about what matters to them, learn simple budgets, and actually have the ability to practice the skills many people don't get to develop until adulthood. But as we've learned today, it's also a responsibility. We're helping our kids to build a relationship with money, both emotional and practical. And while we'll make mistakes, we're human after all. We can make careful decisions about the lessons we're teaching our kids. Instead of recapping the mistakes we went through today, I want to flip the script. What does a successful, empowering allowance practice look like for our kids? One, we start young with age-appropriate lessons that let kids learn what money is and the basics of how it works. Two, we create an allowance system that encourages saving and giving, but with realistic goals that truly get kids excited. They'll build that delayed gratification muscle. Three, we set rules about how allowance will work and how our kids can spend their money. And then we stick to it. No bailing them out when they make a mistake or constantly changing the rules. Four, we let our kids fail with money. Buy things they'll later regret. Miss an opportunity to do something fun because they don't have the cash to pay for it. Because we know that the stakes are low now and that while we want to save them from pain in the moment, a few mistakes now means fewer big ones later. And five, we'll talk about money, about the messages they're being sold by advertisers, how to handle when friends have things they don't, and how their spending connects to their values. And I want to add one more thing. Money with real limits lets kids find creative solutions to get the things they want. Boundaries in so many ways gives kids permission to stretch. Instead of giving our kids everything they want, allowance lets you give them some things while letting them practice getting what they most want for themselves. Mamas, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about allowance. I hope you got some new things to think about for your financial literacy journey with your kids. Remember that the fact that you're even thinking about these lessons puts you ahead of the game. You're amazing. Your kids are so lucky. As a reminder, you can view the full show notes of this episode and download your free copy of our Family Money Values template in the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 31. Thank you again for listening to the Smart Money Mama show. I love and appreciate you. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll share it with a friend. Keep talking money, mama. I'll see you next time. <laughs>